Hey everybody, this is Juan Martinez of the Easyville Network, and welcome to the Easyville Minute for Tuesday, August 7th, 2018. So I don't necessarily have a problem with what the University of North Carolina football players did. Uh, they were suspended. I think the news broke out on Monday that uh, they were suspended for selling their Air Jordan player exclusives. Uh, Jordan Brand is the official outfitter for North Carolina football and Michigan football, so a lot of the players, if not all the players, received uh basically special edition Air Jordans uh, with the team logos on them and in their, you know, specific school colors uh, that are exclusive to them and won't be ever sold to the public. So it's a really neat perk if you're an athlete for one of those schools. And it's really a big time recruiting tool if you think about it. Um, You know, Jim Harbaugh, uh, it's part of their recruitment letter. I think there was a University of Michigan uh, who signed with the school and he uh, got a recruitment letter that says, you know, welcome to this team. Uh, or if you decide to sign with the team, you know, this is what's going to happen and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, along with the maze in the blue of the Michigan, you know, colors, there's also the Jordan brand logo. So it's really part of the recruitment process. And, you know, if you have these sneakers that nobody else has, you know, you're probably going to hear from you know people outside of your circle and are going to want to buy them off you. Uh, PJ Tucker, uh, famous sneakerhead who plays in the NBA for the Houston Rockets, actually posted a picture on Instagram showing off that he's wearing a pair of the uh, North Carolina Air Jordan 3s. Uh, probably got them from one of the players who got suspended. And I-, I think it just highlights the problem that's going on with the NCAA right now and you know the heightened awareness that the fact that these athletes do not get paid. You know, the longest argument for the time has been, you know, these athletes get a free scholarship, they get a free ride. So, you know, that's basically payment enough. And the reality is, you know, the way that the world works is it's not really enough. These athletes, you know, pretty much work for the school, if you really think about it. I mean, they have to, you know, fulfill like basically the basic minimum educational requirements, but they don't have time to study. You know, they don't have time to have a part time job. So they don't have the ability to go out and eat or have a good time, you know, when they have like, you know, free time. And they're kind of broke. A lot of them are. So they don't have the means. And, you know, one of the ways they would have to try to make money is through, you know, this kind of deal. And, you know, technically it's illegal under NCAA rules, but those rules are draconian and kind of stupid. And it's ridiculous that these athletes don't have a way to make money and the NCAA doesn't pay them. So they have to resort to doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the temptation is huge. If you're a student athlete who is, you know, one of these one of these big time programs and you know that you're making a lot of money for the school and you have these pair of Jordans that maybe you don't have like an attachment to. Like personally, if I was going to one of these schools, I probably wouldn't sell the threes, uh, but I would be awfully tempted if I was broke. <laughs> and, you know, if someone like offered me like X amount of dollars for those pairs of J's. So I don't necessarily blame these athletes for selling these shoes. You know, it's not on them to be quite honest. It's more like, Hey, you know, this was a gift. And you know, once they have it, they kind of have the right to do what they want to do with those shoes. Right. At least that's, that's my opinion. And you know, the growing opinion now is that these athletes should be paid so that they're not incentivized to sell these sneakers. So yeah, it's an ongoing argument, struggle, battle, whatever you want to call it between the NCAA, the student athletes and you know, the public in general, whether the athletes should be paid. And I am firmly in the camp that they should be paid, uh, you know, because like I said, they contribute so much to, you know, the money that goes into the schools, whether it's through ticket sales in the stadiums or the jersey sales or 
whatever, you know, memorabilia or, you know, apparel and all that stuff, you know, they bring in a lot of money to the school. So they deserve a cut of that. Maybe not the biggest cut in the world, but just enough that they're not, you know, tempted to sell their Air Jordan 3 player exclusives. Uh, yeah, because, you know, like I said, if I was in that situation, I might be tempted to do it or I might not be tempted to do it. You don't really know what's going to happen in that situation. But if I had a pair of North Carolina 3s, I'd probably keep them. <laughs> now, if they were North Carolina uh, 13s, yeah, that, they can go. They can go. <laughs> okay, moving along to the world of video games. Uh, I had the bright idea of starting two Metroidvania games at the same time for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, first up was Hollow Knight, uh, which is this very uh, amazing looking game. Uh, it's got a very cool art style, kind of Nightmare Before Christmassy kind of vibes. And at the same time, it's also kind of depressing. <laughs> it kind of gives you that, you know, kind of sad, kind of dreary outlook on life, which is like, ugh. Especially with the way the world is going on right now. It's like, uh, do I really want to do this to myself and kind of just make myself all sad? Um, it's beautiful, though, but at the same time, it's kind of haunting. It's like, like I said, it's kind of have like, you know, Haunted Mansion kind of vibe where it's like, oh, I can admire the structure and the way everything looks and there's just just how professional and how sharp everything looks but at the same time it's like ooh, it's 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 very dreary and it's got like this very sad look to it and you know i've just started the game and you know as a metroidvania so it's got like you know a lot of exploration a lot of like dead ends and you don't know where to go yet and you're finding items and trying to figure out what to do so there's a lot of you know just seeing the world and just seeing like what's out there and you're just really just trapped in this just cycle of like dark and dreary and shades of gray and i, I yeah it's tough <laughs> and the game itself is kind of weird itself like just the mechanics of like you know how you get hurt when you get hit uh you can recharge yourself and you know get some health back but at the same time if you die you lose your stuff and that's kind of rough so not only is it difficult it's also kind of like it's just like i said the art style kind of just makes you ugh. I have to go through that part again. Not that I'm saying it's a slog because it's a very solid game, like mechanics wise. I love the way it controls. I love the way that, you know, everything feels. But yeah, it's just the general attitude and vibe and just setting just kind of those not it doesn't rug me the wrong way, but it's like maybe I shouldn't be playing this game at this moment in time. Now, a game that I feel like I should be playing in this moment in time is uh, Dead Cells, which is like it's another Metroidvania game. And it's got this character that is very fluid uh it's solidly animated it's in a pixel style it kind of kind of reminds me of like the art style of games like uh out of this world and flashback uh but with more of like a heavier pixel look but the animation is very solid um it's just silky smooth it kind of looks like something out of you know a rotoscope or something like that and it just and the world is colorful it, despite the fact that you're basically like in a hellscape <laughs> hellscape dungeon and it's a roguelike so it's also uber difficult and you you know when you die you lose all your stuff kind of like in hollow knight it's just i just like it because it's colorful and it's like ah look at everything that's going on it's just yeah i i like it even though like the the setting is basically just as depressing and sad as hollow knight but because like the, the world is so much more colorful and vibrant it's like oh i can deal with this it's like a kaleidoscope of crazy <laughs> and you know the, the weaponry is also kind of neat too because at the start you have like the sword which is mm, okay it's fine but then you end up with this electric whip and it's an electric whip 
how can you go wrong with an electric whip right so yeah i'm enjoying them so far i haven't like played them no more than an hour of each game and i'm probably gonna go to you know both of them back uh back to back although i'll probably gonna you know, start out with dead cells at this point and just you know kind of try to bang through it as much as possible before going back to hall night because i kind of need that palate cleansing kind of you know bright and you know just actiony kind of vibe instead of like the the dreariness of a hollow night it's kind of like uh inside out where you know who's your favorite character do you like joy or do you like sadness i actually prefer sadness but the way that uh you know sadness works is this like oh i don't know if i can like just be there the whole time and that's kind of like <laughs> how i feel right now about hollow night and joy is kind of like dead cells and i'm sure this is probably the first time anyone's ever used that kind of analogy but yeah that's kind of how I feel about that right now. I'll get back to Hollow Knight eventually. Uh, I'll probably just go through Dead Cells first. Okay, moving along to Star Wars related stuff. It appears that the Star Wars live action series that is going to be directed, uh, run by Jon Favreau, uh, is going to show up on the Disney streaming service that's going to show up next year. And it's going to be a 10 episode series that costs Disney $100 million. And, you know, that got a lot of people's attention because game of thrones is kind of on the similar level apparently their final season is going to cost as much and to that i say yeah what a hundred million dollars is nothing more than a drop in the bucket in the disney you know wallet it's not a big deal uh but the investment uh is going to be worth it because this disney streaming service could be huge potentially big time uh for disney uh you know as they try to compete with like the netflix of the world and Netflix is already spending like billions of dollars on new content every day. And you're seeing all of these new shows. Some of them you'll see, some of them you'll never ever hear about, but just randomly come across it like in your search results. And I think it's just a worthwhile gamble because Star Wars is, you know, the property for Disney. Uh, they already have all of the Marvel stuff. And then you're, you're going to have the Star Wars stuff on there. And that's just a huge selling point. And, this, and it's going to have this original content on there. I mean, yeah, it's worthwhile to, you know, spend all that money on it. And, you know, and you have somebody like Favreau on there who is, you know, an amazing director. Uh, he really breathed life into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting off with Iron Man. And, you know, he's just done a lot of great things over the years. And I think he's just, you know, the right type of person to have like this kind of series to, you know, start off the service. And yeah, a hundred million dollars, like I said, is just nothing. Uh, now I'm just going to be more interested uh, when we actually see a trailer and who's going to be starring in it and what the setting is going to be, that's when I'm going to be interested. But when I hear news that, oh, it's $100 million, it's like, big deal, whatever. Disney's going to make that money back whenever that streaming service starts anyway, like, you know, day one. And honestly, I'm going to sign up for that thing anyway, because, you know, along with the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff is hopefully they're going to have like archives of old Disney cartoons. That's actually what I'm most excited about is if they say like, oh, with this Disney streaming service, we're going to post all of the old school cartoons, the Mickey, Minnie, Donald Duck, Goofy, you know, cartoons from like the 50s, the 60s and the 70s. It's like, that's what I want. I mean, those were the cartoons that I watched when I was a kid on Laserdisc, you know, that and the Looney Tunes and all that stuff. Uh, you know, obviously that's a different property. But, you know, if they bring back that stuff back, I'm all on board. I mean, I was already on board anyways, but the promise of that eventually or, you know, at launch is just a huge thing for somebody you know of my age is like disney's gonna like you know bring that archive back and good for them hopefully good for them that they bring that back or you know if they just have the full run of ducktales on there i think i'll be cool too <laughs> 
Okay, then finally, uh, something I didn't want to talk about, but I guess I'm going to talk about it anyway because I'm just glad that it's maybe kind of sort of over. Uh, Alex Jones uh, was banned. Well, most of his content has been removed from Apple Podcast, uh, on uh, YouTube, and on Facebook. So the head of Infowars, uh, basically all of the major outlets that he uses to spread his word of hate, conspiracy theories, and just all-around general stupidity is no longer around. Now, his uh, app is still available on the Apple App Store as of this uh, recording. And, you know, he still has his ways of, you know, spreading his word of dumb assery. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he still has his Twitter account for the most part. So Alex Jones is the head of Infowars. And I first heard about him uh, years ago when the Sandy Hook tragedy happened. And he had the gall, the nerve to really say that, you know, that was fake news, that it wasn't a real thing. And that it was, you know, crisis actors. The parents were crisis actors. And that was disgusting and vile. And I can't believe that there was somebody peddling that kind of nonsense out there on the Internet and being quite popular at it at the same time. Like, you know, when you're driving home late at night, uh, you know, you turn to talk radio. Well, I didn't do that like my buddies did. But, you know, sometimes we'd listen to talk radio and be like, who are these nutcases who are like talking right now? And they're talking about like. The Earth is flat, UFOs and crazy political theories and all that stuff. And you're like, why? What are we doing? Subjecting ourselves to this kind of nonsense at like 2 a.m. in the morning. I'd rather listen to country music at that point. But anyways, you know, Alex Jones was like the the kind of end level boss of all of that. Like he just kind of got too big and, you know, was just garnering all sorts of attention and just being normalized by, you know, the Megyn Kellys of the world and the Fox News and, you know, this orange ass clown that we have of a president supports his views. And, you know, liberals got mad, Democrats got mad. And, you know, some conservatives actually have the sense to, like, not defend this clown, but to actually be against it. Because the the stereotype is like conservatives are defending this guy. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Like... You know, because Jones kind of also peddles in conservative, like, you know, alt-right theories. And it's like, there's a difference between being conservative and being an alt-right nutcase. Now, there's also, you know, alt-left nutcases. But alt-right nutcases are just insane and just pedal in just this nonsense that, you know, Pizzagate, that Bob Mueller is running a child, you know, prostitution ring. It's like, what the hell? Like, you can be a conservative. You can argue about your theories on the economy, why we shouldn't have affordable health care, or why you think the tax cuts are, like, you know, beneficial to this country and it's not just for the rich. We can argue on those those merits, and we can argue on those in, like, good faith. But when you bring in this bad faith actor like Alex Jones, and he's not just an actor, and I know he's kind of tried to defend himself by saying this is just entertainment, but clearly it's not. Like he's clearly like fooling people and he's, you know, getting people to believe in all of this stuff and not and apply it to the real world. Then, you know, he's got to go. He has got to go. And I know like all of these like conservatives are, you know, people who are defending free speech and all that stuff are like, you know, YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. He's impending on his free speech rights. And I'm like, YouTube and Facebook and Apple are all companies and they have terms of service. And the fact that it took this long to get him off of those things are stupid and irresponsible. But they finally, like, you know, read their terms of service and said, you know, stuff that is harassing and misleading should not be on their platforms. And, yeah, they finally listened and they should get rid of it. And, 
you know, Jones is still out there. Like he can, he can still say whatever he wants, you know, but these companies don't have to, you know, give him the ability to, you know, broadcast that stuff. You know, if Jones wants to go out there and, you know, still talk about all of his crap, you know, he can build his own platform and go from there. But just the fact that these companies kind of supported him all this time is just frustrating. And I, I, I don't applaud them for doing it. I, you know, I applaud them for just doing it, but I don't applaud them for doing it now. I should have applauded. They should have been applauded for doing it like years ago, you know, like when this first started instead of like, you know, the mess that we are in. So good riddance, Alex Jones. Yeah, go away. You suck. All right, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Easeville Minute. This is Juan Martinez of the Easeville Network. Find out more about the network by going to patreon.com slash Easeville. That is E-Z-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Subscribe to that's how we keep things going. It's how we keep the podcast ad-free. It's how we keep the videos ad-free. Of course, you'll see exclusive content on there that you just won't see anywhere else. So thanks for listening, everybody, and I will see you at the next thing.